today on Anchored in the Word. He has done everything in his power to bring you to a place, a time in history, a place on the planet, and everything else that he does, the people that he puts in your life, the circumstances that happen in your life. Listen, they're all designed to bring you to a place where you grope for God and find him. And then it says, though he is not far from each one of us, he's there for the asking. He's right there all the time. And he's doing everything he can to call people to himself. He says he is not far from each one of us. But I'm This is Anchored in the Word, the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Coastlands in Eatontown, New Jersey, with our pastor and teacher, Bill Beckelman. As Paul perceived the blindness and corruption of the people of ancient Athens, his grieved heart preached the gospel to them. Is there a burning passion in your heart for the lost? In today's message, Pastor Bill will challenge you to love the lost with the love of Christ and to reach out to them with the message of salvation. At the close of Pastor Bill's message, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Anchored in the Word. Subscribe to the podcast or simply get in touch with us. Now here's Pastor Bill in Acts chapter 17 with today's edition of Anchored in the Word. God made the stuff, and we've now rearranged it, prepared it, put it in an oven, sawed it, cut it, sanded it, painted it. Listen. But we started off with something that God made. Even though man is involved in it, in the process, nobody can make something materialize out of thin air like God did. He created everything, it says. He made the world and everything. And that's all you knew about God? Come on, that's pretty spectacular. Isn't it? Come on. He made, some of you are creative. Some of you are artistic. Some of you can build things. And I, I like, you know, I like building things. And then when you're finished, just kind of looking at it and saying, wow. And that's, kind of, that's okay to do. I don't think I'm, I'm worshiping at that point. But listen, he, gave, he gives the ability for people to be able to do that. We notice that, don't we? Some of us are very artistic. And you can see when somebody creates something, you're like, wow. And so we get this, this benefit when we, when we create something. But listen, we always created from material that was already here. Secondly, the ability that you have was given to you by God. You, you've been made by God. He made you. And so the first thing we see about him that is not small, he was able to create everything that we see. He made the world and everything in it. Wow. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he's over everything. He's over everything. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. And then he says, he does not dwell in temples made with hands. And that speaks to the Jews and also speaks to all these altars that they'd made that they had all around them. He does not dwell there, nor is he worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything. See, sometimes we make God small like man, like we're needy, so somehow God's needy. Like some people think this about God. Well, the reason he created man was because he needed, he was lonely. Some people think that. God was lonely so because he, he does have fellowship with man. God's not lonely. There's the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. There's plenty for them for all eternity. That's, that will be enough. 
I will guarantee the reason God created you is that you could experience him. What does that sound kind of, what kind of a person is that? Well, that's who he is. He is such a great, a great God that it's just a great thing that he could, he could create people so they could experience him. Now, there's none of you that should think of yourself that way. You're the best friend. That it's just, you know, your friends are just happy to have you as a friend because of who you are. It's just you're the greatest thing since whatever. We can't say that about ourselves because we're sinners saved by grace. But God, that's who he is. That's why he created. But he doesn't need anything. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't want your time. He doesn't need your love. In other words, he won't be less of a God if you don't love him. He wants it, though. He desires it. He, he's a loving God, and he, he, he is love. And so he wants to have that relationship with you, that personal relationship with you. And he wanted that with the people in Athens. But he doesn't need anything. He, God doesn't need anything. But instead, he gives. Look what it says. He gives to all life, breath, and all things. See, he's a giver. God's a giver. When we look at him, he is, a, he is the God who gives and keeps on giving. And Paul knew that about him. And then he says, verse 26, now this is going to give some insight into what God has done for you. Like that, if you've ever asked the question I asked, God, why didn't you send to my path? Here's what I want to say to you. It's going to tell us in verse 26, God has already done everything he could possibly do, not just for you. Not just for those of you that have received Jesus Christ into your, into your life, but he's done it for every single person. What about the pygmies in Borneo? I'm not used to that. I don't know if there are such a thing or there have ever been such a thing. But that idea, I know what that idea means. And I would say to you, yes, those people too. Verse 26 is for everyone, no matter who you are, when you live, that verse speaks to everyone who's ever lived. And what that verse means, we're going to talk about in a second, but here's what it means. That he's done everything he could possibly do to every human being that's ever been born to put them in a place, a time and a place where they could find him. In other words, I'll use this terminology. It's a terrible one, but I can't think of another one right now. He stacked the deck. He did everything he could to to make it so you could be a winner, so you could know him. That's what winning is, knowing him. He's done everything, man. Let's look at it. Here's what it says. First thing. He's made from one blood every nation of men. First of all, here's what I want to say to you. We all have common ancestors. Don't waste your time on money on these ancestry things. We all go back to Adam and Eve. I'm going to tell you that right now. That's where you're going. You're going to find the beginning, don't you? It come, we come from Adam and Eve, every single one of us. We're all related. Yeah. That's right. We're all family. That's right. And then some of you say, well, my people came over here on the Mayflower on the boat. Well, no, our people came over here on the ark. It's true, isn't it? I'm not making this stuff up. We're all related. And, and, and this, is, this is one of the biggest problems that we have in our culture right now. It's called racism. And what verse 26 beginning tells us, there is no such thing as different races. I mean, we're all related. We're all related. There's one race. It's the human race. God made all of us, and, and we're all related. Yeah, but we look different. We act different. Yeah, that's right. But we're all related. We're all brothers and sisters, you could say, in that regard. We'd, you know what? There would be, whole, there'd be a whole bunch of less 
problems in the world, if we, if we acknowledge just one fact and says, yeah, we're all brothers and sisters. We're all the same tribe. And the tribe is humankind, right? If we had that understanding, it's the truth, by the way. If we live by that understanding, that would cut off a lot of our problems right there. We're all from the same tribe, and it's the tribe of humankind. I would knock down a lot of walls, but the point is, that's the truth of the matter. That's the truth. And everything else is a lie. He's made from one blood every nation of men. Look what he says. To dwell on all the face of the earth. All right, And then it says, and he has, look at this, he has determined, he has de- God has determined their pre-appointed times. Yes, folks, you were meant to be born just when you were born. I hope you're not one of those people that think, oh, man, I wish I would have been born back when Jesus walked the planet. No, no, you're supposed to be born right when you were. Oh, you know, I wanted to be born because my thing was, I wanted to be born back when they were doing the sock hops and all that stuff. That was way back when, right? But the point is, because it was cool. It it seemed like that was coolness, you know, if you were living back in those days. Some of you were living back in those days. But no, that's not the truth. The Bible tells me, no, Bill, that's not true. Stop thinking that way. You should have been born in 1956, just when you were born, because that's that's when you were supposed to be born. Oh, okay. I'll take that. So stop thinking that. Stop thinking that you're, you know, you're, you're either far behind or far ahead. No, you're just right where God wants you. You were born right when you were supposed to. I'm too young. I'm too old. No, you're right where you're supposed to be. God's predetermined this. This is important to him. He's done what he is called to do. He can tell when you're going to be born. That's, his, that's up to him. That's not up to any person, right? And it says, so he's pre-appointed these times, by the way. Not just when you're born. I believe that talks about their times. You have a time on this planet. Time you're born, right? And the time that you die. Billy Graham had 99 years in between that, his dash, right? On his headstone, will have his birth date, 1918. And then a dash. Boy, what a lot in that dash of his life. His life lived in that dash, right? And then there's an end to it. The life here. Of course, Jesus said that if you're a Christian, you'll never die. He pre-appointed when, when we're going to die. We don't know that. Only God knows that. So he's done that. He's put us right in, in the time frame that we need to be in. And he's also, it says, in the boundaries of their dwellings. And that means you were born where you were born, the, the USA or whatever country you were born in. That was God's purpose. And whether it was New Jersey or Maryland or California or wherever you were born, that's where it was meant to be. Somebody say, well, I was, uh, I was in the military. My parents were in the military. We went here. We went there. The boundaries of our drones, we never got to settle up. It would have been nice to live in a house for 20 years growing up and go to the high school and this and that. Look, stop doing that. That's what God had for you. That was not happenstance. That was what God had preordained for you. And why, though? Why is my life different? Or where I live, there's, you know, somebody's born in a rich country, somebody's born in a poor country. Why is that? Rich family, poor family, you know what I mean? We're all from the Adams family, but the point is, why is that? I'm glad you asked. Look at the next verse. So that, verse 27, so that they should seek the Lord. You see, that's what it's all about. Life is all about knowing him, discovering God and He's doing everything that he can, man. He's put you in New Jersey for this 
period of time. Man, he's put you in this room for this period of time so that you can know him. And I'm not just talking about praying a prayer to receive Jesus as your savior. If you haven't done that, you need to do that. But it doesn't end there. I'm talking about something more. That's just the beginning of the veil being taken off and this coming to know God. Think about Billy, 99 years old, Billy Graham. At the end of his life, 92 years old, and any regrets? Well, I wish I would have spent some more time meditating with the Lord. Think about that. That's huge. Take heed to that. It was revelation to me. I tell my wife I love her all the time. I mean, several times a day. And I expect her to say that back to me too, by the way. There's an expectation that she's going to return the compliment, all right? Because we need to hear that, right? But listen, how many times do I tell God that? I mean, think about it. I've already started it this morning. I already started changing it. I'm talking about talking to the Lord, not less to my wife, but, you know, more to the Lord. I don't, I don't want to be 92, and, and I'm not going to be 92, and somebody asks me something, and I say that. Follow me? I, I, I was, I, I'm hearing what the old man said. And I'm hearing what he's boiling it down to. It's about just spending time with the Lord. I, I need, you know what happens? Because you wonder, well, how can I see the divine? How can I see the, all the idols in the place and know that I'm supposed to do this or do that? By spending time with the Lord. You're connected to him. You know, you're connected to him and he's going to talk to you. You don't have to go, okay, what do I do now? I got to get my prayer thing out and get on my knees. No, you're going to be walking in the marketplace and the Lord's going to speak into your ear because that's just what you normally do. You're listening for him. You have a relationship with him, and he speaks into your life right there at the point. Go over to that person. Who said that? No, it wasn't an audible voice. It was a a still, small voice in your heart, and God said it. So God has done everything he could possibly do, that you would seek the Lord in the hope, it says there, that you might grope for him and find him. You see, that's his hope for you and everybody else in this universe, in the planet, that they would find God. And he's done everything in his power to bring you to a place, a time in history, a place on the planet, and everything else that he does, the people that he puts in your life, the circumstances that happen in your life. Listen, they're all designed to bring you to a place where you grope for God and find him. And then it says, though he is not far from each one of us, he's there for the asking. He's right there. All the time, and he's doing everything he can to call people to himself. He says he is not far from each one of us. And then Paul goes on to say, For in him we live and move and have our being also as some of your poets. Now he's going to quote a poet, one of their poets. He says, For also, he says, We are also his offspring. I don't know who their his is, what, they, what the poets mean, but Paul knows who, what his he's talking about. In other words, God made us, verse 29 says, therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone. Now he's going to start knocking down their altars. He's going to show them that the things that they're believing in, there's a time for that, folks. And now he's going to tell them that their gods are worthless. Now he's doing it in a loving way, but he's doing it. And he says, the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art. And man's devising, truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. And that means, this is important, it means to turn from the way you've been doing things 
and to turn to God. It's, it's to do a 180. And you make that decision. It's a decision you make in your heart. You make up your mind is what's being said there. Verse 31, because, and we need to be told this. If this is the truth, we need to hear this. I know this is nothing new because it's in the Bible all over the place. Because, verse 31, he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man, Jesus, whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. He's preaching the resurrection. He's preaching the idea that God, that Jesus is alive. Now, that's, he's giving them the gospel. I'm gonna, I want you to know something about the gospel, the good news. The good news about Jesus Christ died for your sins. First of all, that we're all sinners. That Jesus died for all the sins of the world, John 3.16. And he paid the price for the sins And then he died and was buried and rose again. That's the good news. God has chosen to empower that message. Stick to the message like Billy Graham did. It's proof. His life and his ministry is proof to us that the scriptures are true. He stuck to the simple message of the gospel. And look how many people God sent to come and to um, come and hear the message because they were going to hear about Jesus Christ. And that's very much what that man's message was about. That is Billy Graham. And then it says in verse 32, And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, that's right, not only is Jesus resurrected, but he's the first fruits of the resurrection. That means that we're going to be, you know, now we're talking about eternal life, right? That there is life beyond this life. When they heard that, it says, and I want you to see, because this is they've been given revelation, because whenever the gospel goes out, that's revelation. All right? Empowered of God to open people's eyes. Now look at their response. Remember he said revelation response. Here's the response. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. We're always going to get that. They have mental illness. They, they, you know, Christians that hear, you know, about Jesus or whatever, and mocking. That's the reason Paul was in Athens. Every place that he went, they chased him out of town because of the, the gospel message. So you can have that expectation. The response is going to be, some were going to mock. While others said, and these are the dangerous ones, the mockers, there's, there's still hope for these, these people. You know, you, you sometimes think these are the ones, we will hear you again on this matter. Man, that's a dangerous place to be. If you're in that place today, Oh, yeah, we'll come back next week. Well, I'm not ready this week. Next week, I'll hear you again on this matter about Jesus Christ. I'm not ready yet. remember being in the, the ministry of the, um, some people joke, well, you're getting right on the edge of the cliff. Right on the, you know, it was my first ministry was in the, uh, I was just a retirement home. It was in a assisted living. And I was in the, the Alzheimer's section, okay? They were all locked in. And I'd give the gospel presentation. I, there was this lady, I still, she's still, you know, there, and, and I, I would, give the gospel message, and she would tell me, I'm just not ready yet. And finally, I'd go knock on her door. Uh, when, we were, when I was there, I'd go seek her out, because she seemed to be receiving the message. She was very, always smiling and everything. And, oh, I'm just not ready, she'd say. Finally, one, one time I said to her, I says, what are you waiting for? You know, what are you waiting for? I mean, yeah, just being honest and open, you're whatever you are, how old are you? And you're in here, you know, you can hear what I'm saying. What are you waiting for? Oh, I'm just not ready. She's really polite. We'll hear you again on this, maybe. That's a dangerous place to be. 
So some would say, they would mock, some would say, we'll hear you again. If the Lord wills, they'll hear you again on the matter. There's no guarantee they're going to hear it again. That's the truth of the matter. And then it says, so Paul departed from among them. And verse 34 said, however, it's almost like, oh man, nobody gets saved. However, look at this, verse 34. Some men joined him and believed. Praise the Lord, right? When the gospel goes out, some men joined them and believed. There's a good response. Isn't that the response we all want? Among them, Dionysus, the Arapagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. So some are actually named by name, and some others that were happened to be with them. So there's another response that you can have when it comes to telling others about Jesus. So as we you know, just think about what we just said, listen, Whenever there's a, when God reveals Himself, and that's what He's in the business of doing, you know, we need to respond to that, and we will respond to that. That's what Paul was doing here. God showed him the, the need of these people, and he just went right to it, and he was reminded. Just he was doing the same thing. Did you notice in the Book of Acts over and over and over again? Man, isn't that? Don't we need something new and novel? No, no, we're going to do the same thing over. And over and over again. That's what Billy Graham did. For how many years he was faithful to do the same thing over and over and over again. Just being faithful to the message that's been given because we don't have to, it doesn't have to be improved upon. The promise is that this huge God that created the universe, when that message about his son goes out, that he's going to be all over it. And he's going to empower it. He's going to open people's eyes. He's going to reveal himself to them through the message. And then there's the response we talked about. So if your eyes have been opened today, if you, have, if you see your need for Jesus, and, if, and by this I mean specifically, if you're not a Christian today, maybe you're sitting on the fence. We're all at different places, let's say, but and you see your need for Jesus Christ. In other words, you're not right before a holy God. And if he returned today, you're not sure that you're right with him. You need to get right with him today. You need to respond in a right way to what you've heard, to the revelation. You need to respond to that. And the right response to that would say would be to repent. That means to turn from the way you've been doing things. And, and you can't fix yourself. I'm not saying you're going to fix yourself, but you can make your mind up and say today, I want you, Lord. I, I want to stop living the way that I'm living. I'm making that choice, and I want you to come into my life and change me. And that's a decision that you have to make. God is not going to make that for you. It needs to be your personal decision. Jesus Christ can't be forced upon anyone. You need to ask him to come into your life. That would be the right response. The birth and growth of the early church came about because of one thing, the influence of the Holy Spirit. The apostles who had followed Jesus were no more than human beings, not suited to lead a movement or even stand for very long against persecution. However, as soon as the Holy Spirit came on the scene, all of that changed. Peter, John, and the rest of Jesus' devoted followers stepped forward boldly, declaring the truth of the gospel and changing hundreds and thousands of lives. Their courage continued when facing intense opposition from religious leaders, even to death. They knew the truth. How could they stay silent? Today, we too know the truth. We have the early church's example to follow as to what faith can do. And we also have the Holy Spirit on our side. 
With his help, we too can step out in faith and boldly declare the gospel message with the world. We hope today's message from the book of Acts has lit a fire in your soul and brought you closer to your Savior. If you'd like to hear more from this series, we encourage you to visit our website, anchoredintheword.com. In fact, you'll be able to find several additional teachings from the Bible at this website. We encourage you to share them with friends and family you feel would benefit from hearing them. That's all we have time for today. We pray you continue to seek the power of the Holy Spirit as you walk through this life and that you continue to be more sound doctrine and anchored in the Word.